Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. How are we doing today, church? We good? It's great to see you in the room. It's great to see you online. Let's not stop the clapping for a moment. Let's give Jesus a little bit more attention. He's worthy of all affirmation, all praise. Don't praise based upon how you feel, based, praise based upon how good he is. How I many know we have a really good God? Faithful, gave his life for you. That's just the beginning of all the great things he wants to do for you. And I believe he's got something amazing in store for every single one in the room, online, for your family, for your future. And it's amazing to be, man, 37 years of Hillsong Church. I'm grateful for pastors Brian and Bobby. It's awesome. You grab your seats, 37 years. I was like not even two years old yet, just a little ginger baby. And uh, I don't even know, what was, what was cool 37 years ago? E.T., phone home, thriller. Dun, 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 dun. Thriller, that was the worst thriller impersonation of all time. But it's amazing, it really is amazing to be a part of a multi-generational church. A lot of churches don't last for more than a generation or two. Uh, we're not just an international church, we're a multi-continent church, which is pretty incredible. And to think that it all started in a little rented space 37 years ago, I think Friday or Thursday. Um, the pastors Brian and Bobby just had a dream. And it's amazing when you hear about how humble their beginnings were. And I think anyone who's been here for any time at all, you can remember the early days of what was the Cause Church that is now Hillsong, Kansas City. In fact, we celebrate 10 years of building church next month, which is pretty awesome. A decade, a decade for the glory of God. But, you know, so many things have changed. I love the thought that what we are a part of is bigger than the part we play. I don't know about you, but you need something bigger than you in your own world. You can't just be the center of it all. But when we all play our part, and I'm inviting some of you to become fans of this church to become part of the family. When we all play our part, it's bigger and greater than we ever could have expected. You know, Pastors Brian and Bobby, one of the hallmarks of our church is that we're about Jesus. Uh, Gabe said it so well that it's about Jesus, loving Jesus, serving Jesus, lifting up the name of Jesus. And it's about them, because Jesus is all about people. It's about loving people, serving people, helping by the grace of God meet the needs of people. And that has stayed the same for 37 years, and I think it's only getting better. I mean, some things have changed. I mean, thank God, Pastor Brian's mustache is no more. <laughs> there was a season when Pastor Brian had a ponytail. How many are grateful that season is over? But what remains is the most important part. It is Jesus and people. I, I think churches can get so stuck in a season of success or significance that they just hold on to what was working and call those the glory days and they never break out of that. In fact, very few churches make it to two decades or even three. I, I like to believe that what God is allowing us to be a part of what we're called to is gonna actually outlive us. And I'm not just talking about the eternal thing. I mean, even here on the earth, that this church will be going long after we're not here anymore, that we have to be people of humility, people of service, and people that refuse to get stuck. You know, it's sad when a church is talking more about yesterday than they are about tomorrow. When they do that, they lose their passion for the more of God. 
and you get into a routine. You know, it's not the churches that get stuck, it's people that get stuck. That's what I'm gonna speak about today. When you get into a routine that used to have a reward, it used to work for you, but you just keep working that same thing over and over again, but there's this principle and effect called the law of diminishing returns. If you never change, you never grow, if you never stretch, too new, if you never get a bigger vision, never believe for more, never live by faith, you're gonna stay stuck over time. And then you're gonna get into this, what was once routine becomes a rut. And a rut is a grave with no ending. And you just stay in that place. I wanna challenge you, I think God is calling us as a church, as a church and as individuals, to it's time to grow. Growing is painful. Change always has a cost. But nothing is as painful of getting to the end of your life and realizing you chose in a season to stay stuck and miss the significant thing God was wanting to do. Don't move on without taking a moment. Don't leave today without taking a moment. Just asking the Holy Spirit, God, is there any area of my life where I've allowed complacency or comfort to steal the beauty of your big kingdom calling? God, where do you have the more for me. And the more, not, it might not be more blessing, it might be more responsibility. It might be more sacrifice. But it's those things that secure the better part, the blessing, the favor, and the fulfillment on the other side of choosing to change, not stay the same, choosing to not stay stuck. I'm going to speak today just from the simple title. I know it will be catchy. It's simple just like me. It's simply this. Help me, I'm stuck. How many have ever been able to cry that out and they're like, help me, I'm stuck. Because being stuck is a serious situation. Can we pray? Come on, those joining us online, let's pray together. Let's ask God to reveal where he wants to grow us and change us. Come on, he's got something he wants to you, speak to you. Do you believe that? Come on, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We're leaning into your word. We're listening to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't want to live in the glory days we don't want to just be looking at the future as if it's so distant we'll never get to it. No, we want you to challenge us, change us, because you've graced us, because you've called us to great things, to become more and more like Jesus. We know we have to refuse to stay the same. Lord, help us who are here who are stuck and help us as a church to never become complacent, to never take a moment for granted or you haven't called us to grow and to change in Jesus mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, my friend, for making me sound way better than I really am. <laughs> Being stuck is a serious situation. It was the summer of 2002. Uh, I was on my way to work slightly late. Um, the staff will know that I no longer tolerate slightly late into the office, but I used to be a person always running behind. And I jumped into my car, and I'm that guy that loves to, like, I just like to live on the fringe, on the edge, push it to the extreme, live to the max. I'm one of those guys that wants to know how many gallons, how many miles are really in my gas tank. I like to just push to the margins. Believe in God for the more, amen? <laughs> Over, you can over-spiritualize anything, right? And I remember my car used to tell me how many miles I had left, and I had seven miles left. I'm about two miles from work. Seven miles, biblically speaking, it's the perfect number. I'm like, yes, that's perfect. This is gonna be great. God, you're with me. Seven, immediately as I turned around the corner, about five blocks away from my house, went to zero, and I stalled out. Here's the problem, because I was in a rush 
to get to work, I had left my phone at home. Yeah, it's the old school Nokia flip. I had left that at home and I had left my wallet at home. I was stuck. Luckily for me, my boss really liked me and left me off the hook, but I had to walk to a payphone. Some of you young bloods don't even know what a payphone is. I had to walk to a payphone and call collect someone to bring me some gas. And it could have cost me, and I know that's just a few hours or an hour or so of frustration, but many people live years of being stuck, years of being complacent, because we've allowed something on the inside of us to run out of fuel. Normally when we lose a focus on the future God has for us, it's easy to go empty on the inside. Being stuck happens. Stuck in circumstances. Stuck in a job you don't like. People get trapped in terror. We're seeing that right now more than ever. People get paralyzed in a past hurt or a, or a pain. We've seen people that have been frozen in life out of fear of doing the wrong thing. And so they never do anything. Some people get lost in just lethargy because it's easy just to live for comfort that it is to step into calling. I think a lot of people get trapped because they focus on the past. They're living in the past. And sometimes they're looking at the past because it's glorious. And sometimes they're looking at the past because it's hideous. There was something painful or there was something of blessing. And many people, obviously believers all the time getting stuck in yesterday. Uh, Gabe and I, uh, we snuck into Gabe's pool because our, 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 we don't own a pool, but our, our gym pool has been closed. And we have kids that really want to swim, so we snuck into Gabe's. And I don't know if that was um, integrous or not, but we don't care. We just feel like chlorine can kill the COVID. We're going in the pool. And we snuck in there uh, with the kids. And uh, I remember, we were the only ones in there and then these other dudes. And by dudes, I mean bros. And by bros, I mean meatheads. And they were classic pool guys. And they had tribal tattoos. And there was a lot of light beer that was flowing freely. And all that to say, they were laughing and talking and carrying on for what better part of an hour about high school wrestling days. Okay, anyone ever wrestle in high school? You, okay, great, all right. And, and that was a while back. Yeah, and it's not the center of your conversation. Okay, well, it was for them. They were talking about something that I think by the age, by the judge, it was 15, 20 years ago, to the point where one of them was recounting a match he was in. Is it called a match? Is that just WWF? That's all I really know about wrestling. And he literally got his friend in like a half Nelson because he was trying to recreate his greatest days. And it was, it was really sad, and we could joke about that. But I even think about the Israelites had the beautiful promised land in front of them. But when they came against a season of dryness or adversity, they were looking back. Well, even back in slavery, we had some things better than we have right now. People get stuck when they get trapped in the past, whether it's glorious or whether it's hideous. Well, God always wants to do a new thing. God says in Isaiah, can't you perceive it? I'm on the verge of a breakthrough that's new, but you gotta grab a hold of it in your heart before you can walk into it with your life. It blows my mind when people just think about the good old days, because God's plan is actually to take you from glory to glory and from strength unto strength. What if the group in Acts chapter two had decided 
that the touch of heaven that happened in the upper room was so amazing that they were gonna stay there and pray every single day, waiting and wishing for the fire to fall again. The whole reason for the encounter in that moment of God's power was to break out into the streets for the advancement of the gospel so that everyone can know the goodness of our God, so everyone can know Jesus. And yet so many people wish and long for, for how good it was yesterday that they missed the whole purpose for that God encounter, the whole purpose that they were here on the earth. Don't let your future that God has before you fail because you're looking back at whether it was a blessing or brokenness. Both of those are ruts on the side of the road that will keep you out of this beautiful thing called your calling. Great things never happen in your comfort zone or in your place of fear. Help me, I'm stuck. The truth is, every one of us will have a season of getting stuck. Getting stuck is a situation everyone faces. Staying stuck is a decision you make. Getting stuck in life is a circumstantial thing. It'll happen. There'll be an opportunity for offense, for frustration, for lack, for pain, for hurt, or blessing. But staying stuck in that is a decision that you make. How many of you have been stuck in a financial difficulty you didn't know how to get out of? People stay stuck in a job that they hate and they begin to curse the job instead of blessing their Lord, blessing their King. People get stuck in an addiction, in unhealthy relationship. The worst one I really feel like is getting stuck in the same spiritual state, that you never allow your inside world to grow. The Bible's filled with people that were stuck and chose to receive what God was wanting to do and get unstuck. Just in the New Testament, Barnabas stuck in blindness. Nicodemus stuck in traditions and legalism. Zacchaeus was stuck in greed. Jairus was stuck in personal despair. Martha was stuck in busyness. Her brother Lazarus was stuck in a tomb. And yet for all of them, had, they all had an encounter with Jesus. And every encounter with Jesus is an opportunity for breakthrough, for new beginnings, and to get out of whatever has been holding you back. They were all stuck in a rut. They were trapped in a momentary hardship that if they would not have encountered Jesus and been ready to respond to what he asked of them, they would have forever stayed in that place and that problem. I think about Jesus at the pool of Bethesda, that, that, that he showed up and ministered. He, he walks over everyone else and ministers to one man who'd been there for 38 years. The pool of Bethesda, he, he, he decided like, hey, I'm gonna go get the guy who'd probably been there the longest. If you know anything about that first century world, like people did not live as long as they do now. The guy had probably been there nearly his whole entire life. And Jesus decided, I'm gonna walk over everybody else and speak just to you. Which you might think about, well, Jesus, why didn't you minister to everyone? He does. But I love the thought, if I can think of it from a different perspective, is that he goes out of his way to make it personal. So I'm not just preaching to you. I think the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. You online right now. I think God wants to speak to you right where you're at. This is not a message for everybody. This is a message for you. And I believe Jesus wants to show up in whatever area or place, whether it has been pain or pleasure, blessing or brokenness, he wants to speak and says, hey, you should not stay here any longer. 
I've got an action step. I've got a change in direction. I've got something new I want to pull you into. Here at this pool, it wasn't like a, I've been to Israel a couple times. It's hot there. It wasn't like a, a fun pool. It wasn't a party pool. It wasn't the bro pool that Gabe goes to. It was, it was a healing pool. That's what they thought. The, the rumor had it that there was an angel that came down. This was the superstition of the time. An angel would come down and stir the waters. And whoever was lucky or fortunate enough to get in first was the one that received the healing. In other words, it was a circumstance, a random fortunate event had to happen for one person to get their breakthrough or their healing. So around this pool was the sick, the hurting, the dying, the decaying, the broken, the, the, the woes that have been left behind. And everyone there was stuck in a sickness, waiting on this fortunate event. Jesus, in John chapter 5, verse 6, says, When Jesus saw him, he knew he'd been lying there a long time, and he said to, them, said to him, Do you want to be healed? To me, it seems like the most no-brainer question of all time. Like, who would not want to be healed that had been there for 38 years? But I do believe God, Jesus was wanting to know, hey, what do you really want? In fact, Jesus asked that to people that are blind and sick over and over again. What, what do you want me to do for you? And it would seem obvious, but I think Jesus investigates hearts wanting to know Hey, you can have from me what you really want from me, but if you want to just stay the same, let's just end this conversation now. But if you want to change, I'm here for that. But I want to hear the declaration from your lips. I want to hear the cry of your heart. I want you to say, hey, Jesus, I want to be healed. I think Jesus asked this man because for 38 years, that's all he's really known. He'd been waiting for everything to line up in his favor. He'd been waiting for the waters to be stirred, but here comes living water right after him. I love that thought that we don't have to have a series of fortunate events for us to move on to our breakthrough. We can encounter the living water every single day, and it can change us. I think you got to answer the same question. Do you want freedom? Do you want change? Do you want the God future? I believe there's always a cost to pay to grow and to change. There's always a sacrifice to be made to move into the new. But this man answers Jesus in John 5, verse 7. Sir, I have no one, no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm going to, I'm trying to get there on my own, another steps down before me. The man really honestly makes an excuse. He says, if I just had someone to help me, if I just had, uh, if I was a little quicker, I think some of us think the same thing. If I just had that person, if my parents would have helped me more, if this situation would not have happened, I wouldn't be where I'm at. If someone could help me, I mean, you're like, you're get rich, you think like, I'm going to be successful when I win the lottery. Like that is your financial plan and strategy. Like everyone I think every one of us are looking for some sort of outside factor to affect us. But Jesus is actually asking, hey, what do you want? I want to do it for you. No excuses any longer of why you've chosen to stay the same. Healing is here. I believe this. If your fulfillment plan in life is anything other than Jesus, what you think will fix you will only frustrate you.
if your plan is anything else but the grace of God, the word of God, honoring God, following God, if your plan is anything else but Jesus, your plan that you think will fix your situation will only frustrate you. And if I just wait wait for the right situation to appear, I will be stuck in a cycle of staying the same. Proverbs 26, verse 11, like a dog, this is the Bible, don't get mad at me, returns to his vomit, is a fool who repeats his folly. The Bible paints a disgusting picture there to get you to wake up to see, man, if I just keep doing the same thing again, the same cycle of stuck again and again, I'm no better than a dog that, 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 that returns back to something disgusting. That's the definition they say of insanity, is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Help me, I'm stuck. If I don't love what I'm seeing, I have to change what I'm sowing. If I don't love what I'm seeing around me, what I'm seeing in me, I've gotta change what I'm allowing to be planted in me and what I'm planting around me. There's an action step for you to take to get unstuck in your life. Today's harvest is yesterday's seed. So if you don't like where you're at, you should actually look back and be like, okay, that's what I did back then. What do I need to do different now? I'm not gonna lay around the pool waiting for the perfect situation. I'm gonna let the living water come speak to me. God, what do you need me to do? I don't want the same result anymore. Do something new. And I believe the answer is to do something now. Gabe in his offering stole my scripture today, which he just needs to think for himself. Ecclesiastes 11.4, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. I like it from the NIV. Whoever watches the wind, how can you watch the wind? You can't. You can't control these circumstances outside of your ability. It says, if you ever watch the wind, will not plant. Whoever looks through the clouds will not reap. Wind watchers and cloud gazers never participate in the promise because they never activate the action. This is faith 101. Life isn't what just happens to you. There's grace and mercy from God, but life becomes what you choose to believe and to respond according to the word of God and according to the direction of his Holy Spirit that's living on the inside of you. This is good news for us. That means that we can actually bring God change into our life, not by our works, but by working his ways into our ways. And if you're looking for perfect situation before you begin to let change work in your world, you'll always be waiting. If you don't like what you're seeing, you need to look at what you're sowing. Jesus gives this man an action step. Are you willing to trust me enough, he says, to try again, to try to get up, to try to walk, to try to move forward? Again in John 5, rise up, take up your pallet, and walk. And at once the man was healed when he took up his pallet and walked. I know it seems so simple, but I think what's something that's there is very profound. The fact that Jesus says, I need you to rise up yourself. I need you to take those broken legs and just get up one more time. 
Jesus is asking him to activate an action step of faith, and he plants that participation into his soil, and he makes forever progress into his future. To me, it begs the question, I think God's asking to me of places where I might get stuck. Maybe he's asking you where you might get stuck. What's the next step? Or maybe what's the last thing God told you to do that you haven't done yet? What's the next thing I need? I know I need to obey before I'm going to see that breakthrough. And we can always make excuses about where we're not. But God already knows where you are. And he's already destined something beautiful on the horizon of your life. But he's asking you, do you want to participate? I think about Gideon, who was stuck in the silo, harvesting indoors. Something you do not do. Just trying to harvest in hiding. And the Spirit of God shows up. The angel shows up. The Bible actually says God faced him directly in Judges 6 in the message. It says, go in this strength that is yours. In other words, go with what you got. Quit waiting for me to give you what you need. I've already told you. So what we're saying is it's a word being activated, planted in the heart. I've given you what I'm asking of you, but you've got to go with what you've got. And save Israel from Midian. Haven't I just sent you? But Gideon says, me, my master. How and with what could I ever, not that I'm the least of these, the weakest, excuse, excuse, excuse. But God just said, hey, all you need to know is that I'm with you. I'll work everything out in your future if you have the faith planted in your heart. If you're sowing obedience today, you'll reap victory tomorrow. I said this last week, but it's so powerful. Proverbs 23, verse 7, as for as he or she thinks in his or her heart, so are you, so is he. In other words, it's like, what do you really believe about yourself, who God's called you to be, what he's asking of you? What do you really believe about his goodness, his grace, his power? It's either made perfect in your weakness or you have to make it all happen on your own. The truth is he shows up when we choose to stretch out. What you focus on will either be your fuel or your frustration. Do you focus on the problems or do you focus on the promises? Why don't you write this down? Daily meditation creates lasting transformation. In other words, I've got to change what I believe in here. Not just the thoughts that are being barred up here. I've got to change what I believe in here. And over time, it will be what I see out here. This isn't like self-help. This is Bible breakthrough. This is how you build your faith. What is meditation? It's simply getting something from your head into your heart or from the word into your heart. And when you protect it and when you guard it and when you look after it and when you believe it, it has the power to transform the way that you think. And as you are in that heart is what you'll see in your life. Psalms 119, I love this. I will walk in freedom. I won't be stuck anymore. I will walk in freedom for I have devoted myself to your commandments. It starts with an inside belief. And sometimes God also asks for that outside obedience. You know, I've never been in quicksand, but I have seen many cartoons about it. And I know how they get rescued in the cartoons is at first someone tries to help them but they aren't anchored to anything else and they get pulled, Scooby-Doo and Shaggy get pulled into the same quicksand. 
And the more they try to get out of it in the sand, the deeper, everyone has seen this, right? The documentary, everyone then gets deeper in the sand. But alas, someone comes around and has a vine. It's always a vine or a log. And it's connected to something outside the sand. And when they grab a hold of something that's not secured in the same slippery space that they're all in, they then are able to free themselves and they're no longer stuck. I know I'm preaching the gospel of Scooby-Doo here today, but follow along. God's word is outside help from heaven that always works in your inside world. And so if you're constantly trying to fix yourself or even your friends around you living off their affirmation. I love friends of our future, but you need more than just someone saying, keep going. You need something that's lasting and true. The Bible says it's an anchor for your soul. That's what Jesus is and he is his word. And so you have to anchor yourself to something that's outside of your situation and it will pull you into freedom and fulfillment. I think about the woman who had the issue of blood. She was anchoring, she'd exhausted everything in her own ability, and she was still stuck in the sand. Worse off than she was before. 12 years, she dumped out her bank account, went to every doctor specialist known to man, and she still was an outcast, she still had the ailment, nothing got better in her own ability, but she decided there was something outside, a promise, that there was healing in the hymn of the Messiah and she put it in her heart and she had an action step of stretching through, pushing her way through and one touch encounter with Jesus transformed her in a moment what for the last 12 years put her in more and more misery. She anchored herself to something greater and that's why we have to understand that, that if I, I begin to meditate on who he is, what he's done. That begins to be my inside world. I'm gonna see lasting transformation in my outside world. She risked it all. This is why you need to have encounters. If Jesus hasn't disrupted your plans in a while, you haven't had a Jesus encounter in a while. I love this verse. It says in Luke 12, 51, Jesus, do you think I came to smooth things over and make everything nice? I mean, this is not always the Jesus that we see or think about. This isn't Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. But he actually said, I'm going to disrupt your way of thinking. I'm going to challenge the status quo. He says, not so. I've come to disrupt and to confront. And if you've never had Jesus disrupt and confront your inside world lately, you're probably stuck in the same spiritual state you've been in for a while. He is always calling us in to the new and the big and the bold and the difficult and the stretch and the significance. He's always speaking about the greater thing that's in store for you. But there is a time when staying stuck to the right thing is a God thing. In fact, if you want to step into seasons of abundance tomorrow, you have to start abiding today. Abiding. It's not a word we use very much, but Jesus used it a lot particularly one passage, he says it many times in John 15, stay stuck to me. That's what he's saying, abide in me, stay stuck to me. Just like a vine cannot produce fruit unless it's connected to the rest, unless it's in the soil, just like a limb or a branch cannot, connect, connect, cannot bear fruit or fulfill its purpose, would not be connected to the rest of the tree, so it is with you. 
that you might still be alive, but you won't be fruitful unless you abide or connected to the vine, if you're connected to me. You can't produce what you're called to produce unless you stay stuck to the right thing. Abiding, abiding is more than striving. It's learning to surrender. I know I've talked about there's usually an action step to our faith, and I fully believe that, declare that, and I believe some of you, that's the next move. But for some of you, you are striving so much to produce change. What Jesus actually wants from you is, no, you just need to get closer to me. Because I'm the disruptor, I'm the confronter, I'm the one who's gonna challenge, and I'm the one who's gonna change you. And instead of trying to make everything else work in your own ability, I need you just to stay connected and stay the course. Let me lead you, let me guide you, let me work within you. Then you're gonna produce lasting fruit. That's why you need to learn to stick it out when it's not fun. Don't run away when it's not convenient. Don't quit when it's in the word, but it hasn't worked for you yet. Stay the course. This is a place to stay stuck. It says in Psalms 92, the righteous will flourish, will flourish like a palm tree and grow like the cedar in Lebanon. At that time, one of the, maybe the tallest trees in the world. And you know, they do not grow overnight. Just like a palm tree doesn't flourish in a moment. It says, no, those that will, you will flourish and you will grow. They that are planted in the house of the Lord. Those that choose to stay stuck to Jesus, what he's doing, what he's building, what he's after. They will flourish in the courts of God. Some of you, you're so flighty. Listen, you try to change one thing after another, after another, and you just find yourself spinning in a tornado, trying of all your own works and all your own actions. Jesus says, no, I need you to take a season. It's not that you stop serving. It's not that you stop participating in ministry or life, but more than all the things that you do, like Martha was doing, do what Mary did. I'm gonna stick it out with closeness to him. I'm gonna grow in what's called intimacy with Jesus. I'm gonna learn to abide with him. It is not about my strive, it's about my surrender. I'm gonna surrender to the soil, I think even of the house of God. I'm gonna plant myself. I'm not just gonna be a fan of this place, I'm gonna participate as family in this place. I'm done just consuming to try to get something for myself. I'm willing to just stay connected to get all that Jesus is. And when I have all that he is, connected to all that I am, that's when I'll see the greatest growth and change and significance in the season to come. The first step to getting somewhere is deciding you aren't gonna stay where you're at. Galatians 5.1 in closing, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Stand firm. Don't give up what Jesus has already given you. Stay connected. Abide in him. Don't let yourself go back to the burden, to the yoke of slavery, to yesterday's thinking. No, I'm sticking it out with him. I've been set free for the fulfillment of the future that he has for me. I don't know where you've been stuck. I know there's been seasons where I've been stuck. Let me name a few that I maybe hit some people out here. I know I've had to deal with them. I've been stuck in unforgiveness before. I've been stuck in discouragement. I've been stuck in fear. I've been stuck in performance, trying to prove something to somebody else. 
I've been stuck in selfishness. I've been stuck in frustration. But in every single season by the Holy Spirit, sometimes through a voice of wisdom, even pastoral voice in my life, it was revealed the area where I was holding myself back by not letting go of something that someone did or a mentality that I had and not grabbing a hold of the grace of God that was there as living water wanted to show up in my world. What area have you been stuck in? Is it in disobedience? Is it in unforgiveness? Is it in discouragement? Is it in excuses? Is it in ex despair? Whatever it is, Jesus wants to show up. If you carry it for 38 minutes, 38 days, 38 years, you're one Jesus encounter from freedom. Because who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. With whoever's watching online and wherever you're at right here, right now, just bow your heads. I want to pray for you. Someone in the room, someone watching online says, hey, I, I'm stuck. Maybe you're watching online and you just put that in the chat. Says, hey, I'm stuck. I need prayer. Acknowledging that you need him is the beginning of the breakthrough. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? He's asking a question and wanting a response. No more excuses. This is your opportunity. If you're here in the room, no one looking around, just you and Jesus. It says, hey, I've been stuck, Pastor Kyle. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want to learn to abide in his greatness and his goodness and his faithfulness. I know I need to grow. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want to go on to the God things for my life. If that's you, can you just raise your hand? People have hands up all over. Come on, it's going to be a powerful moment of breakthrough. You can put your hands down. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you that whenever you reveal an area of weakness, of struggle, of pain, of hardship, of discouragement, you never reveal it without offering to heal it. And people have lifted up their hands in response to your living word and say, I need an encounter with living water. So Lord, just like you met that man in the pool of Bethesda, would you meet them in their place of struggle where they've been held back? Maybe it's by a hurt or an offense, or maybe they've been looking back at the good old days and not looking on to the greater things that are yet to come. Wherever their place of struggle or stuck has been, Jesus set them free in Jesus' name. By your power, by your strength, at work in their inner world, Lord, I thank you. You're restoring, you're healing, you're renewing. There's forgiveness, there's freedom, there's a bigger vision coming for them. They're going to abide in the vine and they will bear much fruit. Their greater days are right in front of them in Jesus' name. Let's take a moment to pray. Let's just keep our heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you're watching right now and you've never said yes to Jesus, I'm not talking about church, I'm talking about relationship. That if Jesus actually, listen, if he isn't the most important relationship in your life, your whole life is out of order. And if you need to order your life, it starts by putting Jesus first, it's God first. So maybe you grew up in church and maybe you prayed the prayer, but you know he's not first in your life. And if he's not first in your life, you will not experience his best. You won't really experience life in all of its fullness. That's what Jesus has come to give you. We believe this prayer is a powerful moment. It's the beginning of a changed life that takes the rest of your life to walk out. But it's the most important part is the surrender to who he is, receiving the gift of his grace. And friend, change can come into your world today. If that's you online in the room, no one looking around, I'm not going to call you out. We're going to pray together. We're all going to pray together. 
We love this moment as a church and you need a fresh start with the grace of God. He's gotta be first in your life for the first time or maybe coming back to him. Can you just lift up your hand and say, hey, Pastor Kyle, that's me. I need a fresh start. I see one hand up, two of you, three of you, four of you. That's awesome. Well, if you're online, put your hand up on the, do, the, do an emoji or something. Just say, hey, I'm in today. Four or five of you in the room, it's beautiful. Anyone else who's online, let's all say it together. Even online, let's say it together right here from the heart. Would you say this with me? Come on, church. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. For loving me so much. Loving me so much. You sent Jesus to save me. I was trapped. Far from you. You sent the rescuer. He took the cross. My sin has been paid for. My shame is gone. Behold, you make all things new. I turn from my old ways. I'm going after you. All of my heart is all yours from now on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate.